Excellent Conversation. I'm Steve Walls. And I'm Jeff Pergolsky. And Jeff, I'm really excited about today's podcast. We have a special guest today. Is Donovan back on? Uh, he's not, but oh. you know, he's the owner. He can hop on anytime he wants, right? <laughs> <laughs> on that. So, Who's with uh, us today? Well, today uh, we have uh, Brad Adams with us with Sales Gravy. Welcome, Brad. Hey, hey guys. What is Sales Gravy? Oh, wait, I've oh. been on these meetings. That's, that's, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, do do we want uh, Brad to tell us what sales gravy is? I, I think that'd be great. Well, so let's start off with how we got the name. Uh, we are a sales training company, world-class sales training company, founded by Jeb Blunt, our CEO, and best-selling author of 12 books. Uh, back in the early 2000s, he was creating a website where sales professionals could come on and blog and, and engage. And he was sitting on his boat talking to his wife on Thanksgiving. And he said, honey, could you pass me the gravy? And then he said, that's it. Sales gravy. And and of course, his wife rolled his eye, her eyes at him. And, um, and, and you know, but but that that's how the, the company got founded. It was literally over Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but what we do is we we help companies with consulting, sales training, leadership training based on uh, the uh, the books that Jeb has written, Fanatical Prospecting, Sales EQ, Objections, Inked, and Virtual And uh, we've got programs around that, and we have teams small and large across the globe. Very, very cool. And you know, I've, I've read a lot of the books. And you know, Jeff, it's it's an interesting story how we actually got engaged with them. Um, you know, being a salesperson, you always hear sometimes like the phone is dead. Or, you know, with all the technology, you know, you get all these inbound calls. And I was I was downloading an ebook uh, that uh, Sales Gravy did. And uh, uh, Dan Foltz reached out to me, I think, within two hours. So kudos to you, Dan. And in having that conversation with Dan, I, I, I came from the, the mindset of that, you know, having somebody like Brad or uh, Sales Gravy would just be so out of our realm as far as resources to afford a, a group like that. But in, in speaking with Dan, you know, it, uh, it wasn't. And, you know, I think it's really kind of neat how you guys um, work with smaller and large companies. Maybe you can talk a bit more about that, Brad. Well, sure. Um, it, it's all about getting the customer what they need. So I, I do anything from, in fact, right after this podcast, I've got a two-hour workshop with the company. That's all they wanted. Uh, to what we're doing with Inovia, which is more of an integrated partnership. It's a, it's an ongoing engagement with training and, and, and leadership coaching and consulting and uh, individual training and, and all of the above. So it just really depends on what you're looking for. We can flex to whatever that looks like. And, and yeah, I, I think you're right, Steve. It doesn't have to break the bank. Uh, we are very focused on making sure that we're giving a customer a good deal, a good ROI, and a good return. So um, that's that's really important to us. And frankly, there's been several times that I've been working with a client that that we just we we've done everything that we need to do, and now it's just time for them to put it into play. And so we'll back off for a little bit and then parachute in as they need us. So a question I had, Brad, is you know I've been a peddler for a long time, over 30 years. I know you've been in sales for a while. What what is the what are the biggest things you've seen change with this technology that's out there? Like we're doing a video and we're on a podcast. I mean, has sales changed a lot? Or I mean, how, how do you when you when you engage somebody? You know, how does that? You know, I guess the question is, 
have you changed have you changed a lot or how you guys actually teach selling so that's a that's a really good question and the really the core fundamentals of sales haven't changed a ton the technology has maybe some of the execution has but the two most important things in sales have and will always be to have a strong pipeline which starts with prospecting and uh, to do a really, really good job in understanding your client and bringing value, and that's in discovery. So those fundamental things are, are, are really important to, to any sales representative. And if you do those well, you should be pretty good in sales. Now, obviously, um, the technology has changed. Uh, Jeb's most recent book, Virtual Selling, um, you know, what you were forced to do in a pandemic um, and, and how to do that better. And then could we do that maybe post pandemic? I've never been on so many video calls in my life. I've, I'm five, six, seven hours a day on video calls. It's crazy. But uh, obviously these technologies have allowed us to, uh, to close that connectivity gap that the face-to-face -face meetings allow for and the phone calls don't allow for. You get to see people and you get to earn and kind of keep their trust in a better environment. CRMs, uh, being able to be connected with your phones um, you know, AI is, is, is really big and, and vastly growing. So there's a lot of cool things out there, but at the end of the day, um, I just don't know if technology is going to be able to completely replace a salesperson. We need someone who's a human. We need someone who's emotionally intelligent. We need someone who knows how to talk to people and pivot when they're, when they're given some derailers. And, uh, I, I just don't think these things are going to change anytime soon. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. I, I, yeah, I'm a firm believer that, you know, face to face, when you're in front of a customer, it just changes everything, right? Because you're having that conversation. It is, it is people, right? If I haven't had uh, um, a machine or a CRM system cut me a PO, right? <laughs> in in the past, you're, you're you're dealing with people, and you know the you Steve, know, you haven't had that happen to you yet. I'm telling <laughs> you, there's going to be a day where you're going to have you know, to sweet talk an AI to get a uh, PO to you. Yeah, believe so, would you like to give me a PO? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it uh, Brad, it's it's getting there. It's to where you're going to actually open up your ERP system and say, "Show me all my posted invoices," and it's it's going to be that that AI type of thing, you know, sure. getting into effect. And 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 I you know I, I always wonder, like, if salespeople get complacent. One of the things that really blew me away I, when I was a sales trainer, um, when I found out that 90% of salespeople have never read a book on sales or been to a seminar or webinar, right? And yet these are the people that are leading their company to bring in revenue. And I mean, you, you probably see that firsthand. I don't know if you get more desperate CEOs or uh, VPs of sales call and you're like, okay, you know, we we, <laughs> we need your help. But I'm I'm kind of curious what a typical day is like in engaging with, with folks that are interested in, in getting help. So I, I want to go back to the book thing first. Um, it, it's interesting, people will, read about gardening they'll, they'll go out on a practice field and blood sweat and tears to play their sport better they'll get a swing coach for golf they will they will do all these things for some of the other things that they do in their life but they won't invest in what drives revenue so that, that it supports all the other thing for them and their families and and that's just weird to me it's just weird to me um, people that are, are some of the best salespeople are people that are working on making their craft better. We are professionals. We are the, uh, 
you know, we, we drive the business world and without salespeople, commerce doesn't happen. And so it, it is interesting that sales reps don't do more in investing in themselves. And, and I think that's changing a little bit I, I, with, with the availability. So back to technology, the podcasts, the, the, the e-books, the audio books, the, the, the ways that you can consume things, the sales videos, LinkedIn, all of those things. I think people more and more are engaging in this and they're seeing the value in this. But, but it is strange and, and it, that, that, that's a gap that, that needs to be closed. So you asked me what a day in the life of, you know, like what it's like to engage with a prospect. Um, you know, we follow our, we follow what we teach. Uh, we ask questions. We are curious. We try to uncover their challenges. If we don't think we have a solution, we'll bow out. Um, so for instance, I had a, um, I had a, uh, one of my sales reps approached me the other day and they had an opportunity to do some sales training for a company that sells a CRM. Uh, it's a it's a competitor of Microsoft and a really, really big company. And uh, they got on call and they were looking for a demo. And so I asked them, I said, what, uh, you know, what exactly do you know about this company? What are they trying to solve? Tell me about their sales team. He said, I don't really know a whole lot about them yet. And I said, well, I'm not going to give them a demo. I'm not going to just give them a demo. That's stupid. We have to understand who our customer is. We have to understand what their challenges are. And then, then I can, you know, then I can solve the problem. He said, but they're expecting a demo and we have a call in two hours. I said, I'll take care of it. So I jumped on the call and, and I had a conversation and I said, I know you're expecting a demo today, but I think that that doesn't really make sense. And that's not the process that we teach. And I want to make sure that we're aligned. And so tell me a little bit more about your sales team. And 20 minutes later, they stopped talking. That happens all the time. If you're curious and you truly try to understand what it is that the company's trying to solve, you can give them a tailor-made solution that exactly fits them. If you just show up and throw up, um, you're gonna swing and miss a lot. And I don't like to swing and miss. When I get on a call, I want my time to turn into revenue because I'm a capitalist and I like helping people. Nice, and when you said demo, Jeff's ears lit up. You know, he's like, he's going to tell all the account managers, you need to listen to this podcast and hear what Brad just said. And, right. uh, <laughs> I'm very, I'm as a demo, I, I used to be really good at the show up and throw up. Um, and we've, we've actually refined our own process um, and, and sort of what we're learning through our um, uh, partnership with sales gravy is the importance of, of discovery. Um, even for, you know, it used to feel like, for our sales reps, getting a demo was a was like a huge milestone. Like that's great. Let's. Uh, but then we started doing a lot more demos, and we weren't closing a lot more sales because we didn't have proper discovery. And so, I think that we've made uh, we've made progress there. And and certainly, um, I think that uh, our partnership with Sales Gravy has has helped uh, reinforce that we're on the right path. Oh, excellent. A demo a demo is a formal opportunity a formal invitation to pitch slap a prospect. And I said it with a P, pitch, <laughs> pitch slap a prospect. I just want to make sure. But it's a formal opportunity to pitch slap a prospect. And, and the reality is that everybody wants a demo and everybody gets off the call from the demo thinking, wow, I don't really know if that's a good fit for us because you just TMI'd them for 30 minutes about all the features and functionality that your, your solution has. And and you don't know whether or not it resonated with the customer because you never did discovery. Right. And, it's a and silly we're, process, really. <laughs> we're, we're, well, you know, when I came over about six years ago, that was my mindset, right? Uh, um, discovery before demo. 
Sure. And because especially with the ERP software that we sell, it, the capabilities, you know, it, it could do six ways of posting that. So in that discovery conversation, what you just said, Brad, is, you know, let's let's learn about it. What are, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve? What are you doing now? And one of the things that we come across with a lot, and I think what the training has helped us a lot, is that everybody wants to reinvent the old. Right. Their their ERP system from 20 years ago that they they that they they hate that when they go to the new one, they reinvent it because now that one isn't so so bad. But it's, you know, people have done workarounds and people that actually did it back then are might not be the people that are doing it now. And, you know, we really take that approach and our consultants do a great job of that, you know, discovery that, you know, Tom always talks about the five whys. Right. You know, just versus, you know, hearing them. And when you said the show up and throw up with the large when I was when I started my career over 30 years ago, we'd have these massive meetings and the marketing teams would come in and present on a product and just just, oh, the new product will do this, this and this. And there was really no direction for the sales team besides go sell it. And I worked with sales people and they go out there and they say, how are you doing? And just for the next 20 minutes was a commercial. And you could see those poor people's faces like, please, please, <laughs> you know, like just end it now versus having that, you know, that clairvoyant conversation on, you know, hey, uh, you know, I know I set the meeting up to talk about this. But before we do, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? You know, how are things yeah. going? Right. And just let that conversation develop. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, I, I'm kind of curious when you talk with all these different sales forces is that. I, I have to not force myself anymore, but I did for a long time. Steve, be quiet. Listen. You want to have something planned, you know, we, we, we want to have a plan response kind of more of like a next step, right? So right. how many people you deal with that when you work with them, they just, they're just not listening. I mean, is that, is that a big issue that you see? So are we talking about sales teams not listening? See, Jeff, he wasn't listening to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Brad. Sorry. <laughs> well, you were talking about salespeople, but I, I, wanted, I, I just wanted to clarify. That's a clarifying question. I know. I'm just messing with you. We like to have a little that's fun great. on the podcast. I yeah, know. I, mean, do you, do you, I think that's, I, you know, the, the, I think one of the biggest problems, well, the number one problem is salespeople don't follow up. That's my personal beef, right? The numbers of selling say that people just don't follow up, and that's kind of how I made a living. I return phone calls and, you know, and try to have – meet deadlines right and, and talk with people coming back but but the, but the, the next thing i always see is that they're just they're just thinking ahead they're not talking they're not listening right so i know we've talked about it when you're been engaging with anovia on you know i know towards active listening or sure. you know i guess i guess i wanted to hear from you uh you, you work with so many different companies is that is that one of the biggest pain points you see it's definitely a problem. Um, it, active listening is, is so the reason active listening is so hard, if you think about the five senses that you have, all of the senses that you have, you're able to, to not use them or, or to turn them off. Hearing is the only one that you can't turn off unless you put noise canceling hear, you know, earphones over it. If I don't want to taste something, I don't put it in my mouth. If I don't want to smell it, I don't smell. If I don't want to look at you, I close my eyes. I look away. Um, if I don't want to touch you, I just, you know, we've learned in COVID, we don't touch people, right? Um, and, but if I don't want to hear you, I can't not hear you unless I literally block my hearing. So your brain created a, a shortcut that allows you to tune people out. And sometimes this happens when you don't want it to. And sometimes it's a very effective tool. Maybe if you're, if your spouse is nagging you or, 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 you know, all the reasons maybe we might turn off our hearing. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's a challenge and, and your brain can sort of flip that on and flip that off. And, 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 and opportune moments. So 
when we want to be an effective listener, we have to show up with the intent to listen. We have to to truly focus on what the person's saying. And what I see salespeople do, and probably the most egregious thing I see, is they come into the to their to their discovery call with a plan of questions. And that's great. You should plan ahead. I 100% agree with that. But they're not able to pivot. They're so robotic. They bang, bang, bang. And instead of being focused on what the person is saying, instead of being focused on the intent to listen, they're focused on the pause so they can ask another question. Now, I want to keep questions going, but you can keep people talking, what's called activating the self-disclosure loop, without asking other questions. You can pause, you can say statements, you can nod your head, you can understand the emotion that was in the thing that they said and, and ask about the emotion and really keep them going. The key is when you're doing discovery, uh, is to be a good listener and to get that self-disclosure loop activated. Um, I, if you have a second, I can tell you a quick story. About four years ago, I had somebody reach out to me on LinkedIn. It was a small company. I think they had 14, 15 sales reps. We scheduled an appointment and I, I showed up to the appointment and I asked one question and it was a good question, but it's not like some utopian question. I said, I'm curious, why are we speaking today? And he went on and on and on for 32 minutes. He went on and on and on and on and told me the story, told me about his salespeople, told me everything I needed to know. And the entire focus, my entire job in that conversation was to just shut up and not say anything. And it was hard. I kept wanting to press the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. But uh, and then at the end of the conversation, he said, you seem like a great company to work with. I'd like for you to train my salespeople. And it was quite humorous because I never said anything. I just I did a great job of shutting up. You will be surprised if you go into a conversation with the intent to ask questions and shut up and truly learn and listen how much better your conversations will go. It almost doesn't feel like selling. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And, you know, the asking we like to say ask the right questions, the open-ended questions. Absolutely. So I don't know if Deb listens to this, Jeb. Does she listen to our podcast? <laughs> she better. She better listen to it. But, you, you know, we're trained. Uh, in, in, you know, we have folks that are really, really smart that have had jobs at other companies. And, you know, in, their, in an account management role, it's, it is it is a sales role, but it's not. It's a consultative role. But, you know, what we've learned, though, is – we we tend not to ask these broad open-ended questions because what you just said i i had somebody uh i asked a question i said so you know so tell me what's going on and it's probably close to the 32 minutes that you talked about and they they just you know where i thought we were going to go it didn't even go to there it went to i mean some really deep pain that they were in um you know didn't think there was a way out and you know by listening to them and, and filling up my uh, legal pad with notes and, you know, and, and just through affirmation, confirming things, it was, you know, it was a great conversation. And, it, 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 and you know, because we're all looking for that fit, right? We're, you know, when if you look at on our website, on our our, our our homepage, it says at the bottom of it that we are looking for long term fit with fair minded people, you know, to have the, those conversations because it's, you know, it, it, in the ERP world, Brad, and, I, and uh, the software can get complicated. And, you know, we know Jeff's a smart guy. And Jeff can do wonders on the demo, but every once in a while, it's Microsoft. Just maybe doesn't go as well as when you push the button, right? <laughs> and 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 you talked about pivoting. It's like knowing where to go, and, and that, that that kind of brings me to a question. One of the thing I I got the most out of, uh, I I think 
in the 30 some years I've been doing this, I've reinvented myself a couple of times. Right. And when you're green, you grow When you're ripe, you're rotten. My mindset is that just to be a lifelong student. And and, and I used to, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have that next step planned. Right. And I can't remember what book it was, but it was like a, this huge number that the reason 80 percent of all the deals stall in your pipeline is because there is no plan next step. So when you when you're engaging with smaller companies or maybe you can talk, tell our listeners uh that are maybe kind of smaller companies that maybe their pipelines kind of just stalled, you know, what, what, what advice would you give to them? Around the next step, um, it, you know, it's interesting that something so simple can be so impactful and so troublesome for people. Um, it's, I, there's a company in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I spent four months getting them to execute the next step. And by doing so, they, grew 20%. They were a capital equipment uh, company, a capital equipment distributor, and they grew 20% just because their sales team was doing a very simple thing of getting a next step. Now, what is a next step? We define a next step is an appointment on your customer or prospect's calendar and your calendar. That's it. It's literally that simple. And what we do in that next step can be anything. If I prospected you and you're giving me that initial meeting, it's going to be a discovery call. Uh, if I'm going to bring a subject matter expert like Jeffrey in to do a uh, to do a demo, it's going to be a demo or or a conversational demo. If I bring in um, a, a consultant to 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 outline what we might you know do in terms of shaping a, a an option for our client, whatever that next step is, we have to have a next step. And there's two reasons for this. First of all, um, it, it's it's it just makes the process go faster, and it it deadlines your customer. When your customer shows up on Thursday and they say, wow, I've got an appointment with Brad at four and uh, Brad is, I'm supposed, you know, I'm supposed to give Brad an answer about something or I'm supposed to have done something. Oftentimes they'll scramble to get it done or they'll push the meeting back. The second thing is it's a commitment test. One of the most frustrating things for salespeople is when they become a quote factory. They're option number three. Their, their, their client says, hey, get me three proposals for this. And uh, they're, they're option number three. And they have to work just as hard to put together that proposal as the other two, but they don't have a snowball's chance in Hades to win the deal. And, and that's just not a good place to be. Instead of spending all that time doing quotes, reinvest that time in prospecting and nurturing and engaging accounts that truly wanna work with you. And, um, and, and then just, just ghost the people who don't. And uh, so that's, the, the next step in sales is so, so critical. And it, it's really, it's two things. It's just, it's just being disciplined to ask and, and also going into the conversation knowing that sometimes we don't get our first objective. We have to have a fallback objective or sometimes a fallback to the fallback, but always be seeking that next step. And if you don't get the next step, like Jeffrey was saying earlier and you were saying earlier, just follow up. We need to be good at follow up. Yes as a number. I don't know what the number is, but it depends on your prospect. Sometimes it takes you 50, 60, 70 touches before somebody engages with you. Sometimes you luck up and you call somebody and they were just got out of a meeting. They're like, oh my gosh, I was just thinking about solving this problem. I'm so glad you called and you're off to the races. But most of the time it's a lot of touches and salespeople just aren't willing to embrace the grind or to be disciplined enough to to stay in contact with their prospects. 
you, you talked about the time frame. I'm actually <clears throat> I'm engaging with somebody that I've been working on for four years. Yes. And they replied to an email that I sent back in 2019. <laughs> so it's just, you know, you try to keep your face in, in, in front of people. And, you know, the, the you know, the rules of engagement, uh, you know, it, it is a numbers game, but it's also it's it's leading the customer. Right. And I think salespeople get a bad rap sometimes because, you know, there's some bad, maybe very few bad salespeople. I hold top salespeople, both salespeople in high regards. It's it's a tough job. Mm-hmm. And. When you when you talked about you know the the nice thing when I was when I read I think I can't remember if it was Sales EQ about the micro commitments mm-hmm. and the first time I heard that I kept thinking of when I was a sales trainer with the pharma company I remember I was with this guy he was an MBA very smart guy had this, a C suite in front of him did this great PowerPoint presentation and he said what do you think and they all said great okay and I'm like okay what and he closed his computer and walked out of the room. I'm like, I guess it's over. And uh, I could, in the car, I was, I was having a conversation with him. I said, well, that was a great presentation. He goes, well, thank you. I said, well, well what's your next step? And he's like, uh, well, I'm going to follow up with them. I go, they were right there. You know, you could have, you could have, they were right there. You, you could have made the appointment there. And, and, you know, the thing is, as I got into the deeper conversation with him, I truly believe that he was afraid of the biggest word that most salespeople are afraid of. And it's two letters, the word no. Right. This prisoner of hope, you know, if they're not saying no, they didn't, you know, they haven't said no to you. And I mean, I, as a, as a past sales trader, that always just, you know, it just ate me up. Like I, the micro commitments that you talk about, it's kind of like you're tracking, right? You're, you're, you're tracking with me. Don't you want to know where you're at versus not? And, and I'm shocked at how many salespeople look at you like the deer in the headlights, like, you know, well, you know, they'll get, they said they get back with me in two weeks. I mean, how, I know you guys talk about that quite a bit, but I mean, is is that as big as I think it is out there in sales teams? It's pretty bad. I mean, th- there's a lot of people who 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 struggle with that, and uh, and it's weird because you know when you're in sales, you're tied to a number. You most likely are paid commission, and if you do well, then you make more money. You make more money for your company. Your company holds you in higher esteem. And uh, but if you don't do well, you get invited to be introduced to their competitors or you have skinny kids at home or, or, or some, you know, some amplification of, of you not doing well. So I, I, I'd like to know where I am. If you don't want to buy from me, then it's an opportunity for me to turn the objection around. And if I can't turn the objection around, it's an opportunity for not to not waste, you know, 10, 15 hours in the future following up, reaching out, circling back, touching your base and doing all that kinds of crazy stuff. Don't touch my base. There's no value in that. So I want to focus on on opportunities that I can win. I'm going to tell you uh, an example of something I did early in my career that was so stupid. Um, I had somebody reach out to me to to learn more about what sales gravy could do. And so I called them back and I called them back and I called them back and I called them back. And then for some reason, I stopped calling them back. I probably I didn't take a good note in a CRM. About five months later, I looked back and and realized, wow, I don't know why I stopped calling. This person was a senior vice president at a Fortune 1000 company that wanted, you know, that, that came in through one of those the, those those capture windows that that was a high win probability for us. So I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get this guy. I called, I called, I called, I called, I called. 
probably 60, 70 touches. Finally got a call back from the company and they said, is this Brad? I said, yes, it is. You've been trying to reach, I forget what his name was. We'll call him Charlie. I, I said, yes, I have. I said, yeah, I'm so sorry. We haven't been monitoring his inbox, but Charlie passed away four months ago or, or five months ago or something like that. And, and, and part of me was empathetic, but part of me was like, did you, this is so stupid. What's the win probability of calling somebody who's no longer with the company or even worse, no longer with this world? And the reality is um, I was wasting my time calling somebody that I had a zero win probability. And so many sales reps don't mind calling somebody that they can't win with. And that's just that's just not a smart thing to do. Wow, that's, that's I, think I, I think I chased a tangent a little bit, but <laughs> no, I was, you know, I was, you know, it was good to hear because, you know, you have inbound leads, which is totally different than an outbound lead because, you know, a lot of the sales process is already completed, right? When they reach out to you, they've done their homework and the access to information out there. Hey, mm -hmm. and, you know, and Jeff, now that, you know, Jeff was an account manager and he's, you know, the pre-sales engineer, but, you know, but doing demos, you're, you're kind of selling Jeff is, has that training helped you at all? You think in asking better questions or just engaging with, with, with people on the, on the call? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that, I wonder if a lot of our customers are similar, um, you know, in size to Anovia, maybe where I would think that our sales team is kind of non-traditional and, and whether that's a, a factor of our size. But, you know, like if you think about our sales team, we don't other than maybe you and Andrew, we've got people that used to be CIOs, used to be um uh, operations managers. We've got, you know, everyone that's on the team has a lot of experience outside of sales. And, um, and, and I wonder then, like, if, if that's sort of what our customers have for sales teams, if the sort of sales training that sales gravy provides and just the reinforcements of the, the basic, um, you know, the, the basics of sales and, and all of those important next steps and, and the little things that, you know, the blocking and tackling as, as Tom likes to say that, uh, right. that, you know, if, if that's what gets, uh, you know, that's, what's missing in a lot of, um, sales teams today, uh, you know, I, obviously when, you know, you worked at a, at a giant pharma company and had all this, these sales resources and a marketing team to support you. I mean, we've got, you know, we've got Tim and, uh, um, and, and Greg and Keith, the marketing team is, is not, you know, we're responsible for sort of growing our own stuff, um, our own pipelines. And it, for me as a, uh, as a demo resource, all of the reinforcing, you know, I, I sort of distance myself a little bit from the sales training because I'm like, you know, there's a reason I'm not an account manager anymore. <laughs> I was I was bad at it, maybe. But but in all seriousness, that you know, hearing those uh, those reminders about how important it is to listen and pick up on the cues of of you know what let the um, even though you know Steve, you beat into my skull and in, in um, the course of the last two years of podcast, the importance of of asking open ended questions and those sorts of things. It's always good to hear um, some some reminders of that. And I think that um, if other companies that uh, you know have sales, you know, don't have the resources to support the in house, they don't have a fully supported marketing team. I would think that engaging with a little bit of consulting um, with company like Sales Gravy would be uh, would be really helpful for those companies, especially. Well, you bring up an interesting point, Jeffrey, and and the the team at Anovia is very unique. Uh, but 
honestly, almost every company that we work with is very unique. And, and the, the way we approach that, I think, is a little bit different than other training companies. A lot of companies have core training, and it's, it's good. It's, it's good training. And they just they, they teach their training. And some of it resonates. Some of it really resonates. Some of it completely misses the mark. And then they just repeat, you know, that training over and over again. And, and you know, companies get value from that. Uh, what we do is a little bit different. Um, all of our training is framework based. And if you think about the entire sales process, we chunk up the sales process into little bitty, easy to consume chunks. And then within each one of those chunks, there's a framework. And what we do before we take on a new climate, uh, a new client, a new climate, a new client is we have an extensive alignment process where um, and I did this with you guys, uh, where where we call people inside the company and we do deep discovery and we learn about their tech stack. We learn about their unique sales motions. We learn about their jargon. We learn about why they win, why they lose, where their strengths are. Uh, how, you know, we just we just learn, 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 and then we take our frame our frameworks and we overlay that on top of their, you know, what they do. And we flex to that. And for me as a sales trainer, one of the greatest accolades I can get is when somebody asks me a question, gosh, when did you used to work here? Or when did you work in the space? Or you seem to know a whole lot about what we do. And, and that's really important because when you're working with a team, you've got to be believable and you've got to have good curriculum. The, the delivery and engagement in the training is just as important as what you're teaching them. You can have great curriculum and someone who is not a good facilitator delivering it. You can have a great facilitator and okay curriculum and they'll get a decent experience, but we don't want a decent experience. So, so I've worked with restaurants. I've worked with capital equipment companies. I've worked with software companies, HR companies. I work with, with, uh, sports teams, I've worked internationally, I've worked with companies that sell to plants, I've worked with um, commodity companies, I've worked with financial companies, I've worked with banks, i worked with, I mean, you name it, I've worked with it before, and, and the cool thing is, is that our system can be adapted to anybody's sales motion. I even worked with a company that that calls landowners to try to buy their mineral rights. And the sales motion applies for that too. It's just, it's just really interesting how adaptable it is. But, but getting to the, just sort of answering the question about how do you work with companies that might have small diverse sales teams, um, that's the way we do it. We have an extensive alignment process so I can truly understand the team and I can give exactly what they need and not give what doesn't make sense. Sounds a lot like our uh, planning engagement, Steve, in terms yeah. of how we, you know, understand how our software is a framework and how that uh, can work with other, you know, people's business process. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Jeff. And, you know, when when we, we decided to engage with with uh, Sales Gravy, you know, and I know when we talked with you, Brad, it was like our sales pipeline was full, right? And it was really to be, we want to be the Ritz-Carlton of Microsoft partners. And I think when I, when Tom and I spoke and we were, you know, talking with you guys, we're thinking, how can we be better for our customers, right? To ask better questions, to be better listeners, to be, to, to help guide them, to be like the second part of our company, Anovia Consulting, to be better consultants on there. And you know, one, one thing when I came from a large multi-billion-dollar-year company to in this SMB channel was that, you know, we 
know, it's that Jack Welsh mindset and the CEO that, that we had where I worked at was, you know, innovation and sales, right? The whole mindset was you have to have products that are, that are, you know, going to help people, but if no one knows about them, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So sales was high, held at such a high regard. When I got to this SMB channel, it's almost like, you know, we talk with our customers, look, uh, it's like putting stuff into CRM. You know, you have to do your financials on a monthly basis. You know, you have all these rules you have to follow. But sales is kind of like left out there. And and I see more so in the smaller channel that maybe, you know, if, if they're a smaller company that if they hired a salesperson to be a sales manager, like that sales manager is so ready and equipped, they'll just leave them alone. And, you know, I think the I think one of the hardest jobs is any company is being a frontline sales manager, right? Because you're dealing with salespeople. You are reaching out and dealing with customers, and then you got to report up to the C-suite on there. And it, in, in my, in, am I on that thinking that right? That that there's a dis, not a disconnect, but like sales is kind of left out there to, to do it on their own. And and, and I, I notice a lot of times when I talk with owners of companies that it's just like yeah, they're they're just kind of separate from everybody else. Sure. So um, it, it's interesting. Most CEOs have a coach. Most professional soccer players have a coach. Most professional golfers have a coach. Um, professional singers have a coach. All of these people have a coach. And the reason they have a coach is because they want to be and stay at the top of their game. And uh, I love the fact that you guys reached out to me. And one of the first things Tom said was how well they were doing, but they just wanted to stay there. And um, and there's always an area to improve. And and when there's not, I bow out. If 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 we've done everything we can do, then 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 we let you guys we let you guys you know swim along and 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 take care of yourself. But usually when people reach out to us, it's because their sales teams are broken and you know they want a quick keynote, a quick fix, or something like that. And it really takes more than that. So. Um, a lot of companies right now are are doing really really well. If you're in the construction space, or if you're in the PPE space, or if you're there's a lot of places that are doing really really amazing right now. And there's some places that are struggling. My recommendation is we've got solutions for all of those. Um, the way we deliver training in virtual environments doesn't doesn't force someone to have to sit there for an entire day. Um, frankly, I, I always tell companies this, that the check that they're writing me for me to coach and train their salespeople pales in comparison to the fact that I have their entire team sitting there looking at me for eight hours. That's the opportunity cost. That's the part that I worry about. If I can make them better at their craft so that they can give a, uh, you know, can, can do, can qualify deals, close more deals, increase the win probability throughout the pipeline, then that's a win for me. Um, so whether you're doing really, really well or whether the team's struggling a little bit, there's opportunities to do coaching and training. And I often like to see companies that are doing well to continue to amplify that rather than say, oh, we're doing fine and, and you know, nothing to do here. And then all of a sudden it breaks and then you're six months behind catching up. Right. And, you know, what's really cool is I know Sales Gravy <clears throat> helps sponsor or is a sole sponsor of the Outbound Conference coming up. Uh, uh, I think it's coming up in June this year. It's usually in May, correct? And and I think for our listeners, if uh, you know, if if you're truly looking for, especially if you do outbound type of selling, right? If you have salespeople that are calling folks, right. it is. I'm going for my first one. I was supposed to go last year. There's a couple of us going, and uh, I'm excited excited about it. 
but I think some of our listeners, maybe you can tell a little bit more about the outbound conference and, and how it would uh, be something for them to consider. So Steve, I, I can't wait to, I'm going to, I'm going to seek you out and I'm going to, I'm going to sit next to you on day one because I, I, I want to get your face. I want to look at your face expressions when, when it starts. It is the rock show for sales professionals. It is truly, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I, I was Jeb's first hire and I look back at where sales gravy was back in the early 2000s to where we are now. It's incredible the journey that we've taken. I was with Jeb before he wrote Fanatical Prospecting, and he's a he's a he's a hero. He's a rock star. I mean, when he's coming off the stage, he has to have handlers to get him to to the food table or to get a drink of water. It's insane. Uh, we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars just on the stage alone, the lighting. We've got a lineup of the best and brightest speakers out there. Um, a very, very diverse lineup, and it is absolutely incredible. This year is going to be the best one that we've ever done. Uh, there's there's a three-day live event. There's also a virtual event, and there's the ability to participate in virtual um, virtual sessions as well as to participate in live sessions. And it's just, it's amazing what this thing has become. And, and you know, I, I look forward to continue seeing it expand. But why would you come here? Because it is... Your, your team is going to come away charged up after a long, long year and a half slog of negativity. Your team is going to be able to learn some absolute takeaways. Um, we do not allow someone to pay to play. These are the best and brightest people that are unpaid. They come here, they do their training, they do their workshops, they do their keynotes on the stage, and they do it for the love of the industry. And they do it because they have a passion to help people. And that absolutely comes out. So um, because of the pandemic, we, the people that we sold last year, um, most of them reverted and converted their tickets to this year. And we also, we can't allow overflow. We've got a large place. We've got some social distancing in place. When we're sold out, we're sold out. I saw that we had, I think about 10% of our tickets are left for the live event. And uh, typically we sell up through, you know, two to three weeks before the event. So we'll be sold out in, in about a week and a half. Um, outboundconference.com, it's got some of the, the previous years and some of the people that have participated in what they got. Uh, I encourage you to go to the link. And even if nothing else, join us virtually this year and consider it for next year. Well, that's great to hear. And when I spoke with Tom over about a year and a half ago to go last year, uh, you know, the thing that when I worked for that large company and they would have speakers like that coming. And so this is a rare opportunity for small business owners, for sales managers that have maybe a smaller sales force that don't have the resources to get that world-class training. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of how I sold it to him and, and to the, you know, to people letting me and a couple other folks go, you know, they are getting the ROI out of it. And I think this is a huge opportunity for some of our customers that are maybe, you know, their, their sales pipelines, you know, when, when, when like COVID hit and when the stock market crashed 10 years ago, thin pipelines were exposed. Right? right. And when things are going good, things are going good. But what it, it, it's cyclical. And, 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 you know, one thing that we've learned and, and I've learned over my years is that uh, you don't want a thin pipeline. Mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it, it doesn't really go well. You, you, you want to be at the point where I think he said at one of our, uh, discussions is that if you know if if your pipeline is full, and it's that deal that you're like yeah I don't think it's really a fit. Well, next go on the next one right because right. 
because you, you, you can utilize those resources better on that. So, Jeff, any other questions you have for Brad here? Well, um, I know we are uh, we're we're running up uh, on time, but one um, quick question: Assuming that we've only got limited budget to work with, what do you think is more important, um, sales uh, sales training or uh, CRM implementation? <laughs> <laughs> That's a poke at me, by the way, Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh... <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, both are both are worthy, but if you don't have anything to put in the CRM because your sales team doesn't know how to sell, then what's the point? Um, and CRM, I, I see CRM as a tool that makes salespeople sell better. Um, when you use your CRM, the, the very best salespeople have the very best clients, they have the very best connections, they have the very best referrals, and they have the very best information. And all of that is is because they were disciplined and managing their CRM. I think it's incredibly important. Um, I teach CRM because it makes people money, not because it can help leaders push a button and know what's going on. That's a, that's an important feature. Um, but when you talk to salespeople, they have to know what's in it for them. And the fact is that if you do a good job managing CRM, you're going to make more money. Um, so um, if, if I had either or it just to you know, it, it would depend on the situation. I know that's not not the answer you're looking for, but <laughs> yeah. but if the sales team needs training and they can't really sell, then the CRM is not going to fix it. If the sales team's doing a pretty good job, but they're disorganized and not focusing on the right deals, then they probably need CRM. Gotcha. Yeah, and I would. I, that's that's good insight. I um, know that through a, a couple uh, implementations, and we aren't by our nature, a CRM implementer, but it is part right. of our software. And a lot of times our customers are asking about that. So um, I would I would agree with you in, in that answer. And then Steve, just for a clarification, I would say um, from my experience uh, that uh, a salesperson's, uh, the word that uh, a salesperson fears most is not no, it's homework. So um, I'll just let you <laughs> think about that. <laughs> and that's related to CRM as well. Uh, <laughs> So, so Brad, he pokes at me because uh, he's got 17 Microsoft certifications, which is 17 more than I have. Yes. So uh, my, my, my background, I, I speak on behalf of the user groups in North America on CRM, but a lot of what, a lot of what you just said, right? It's, uh, it's a tool. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but about two-thirds of CR, CRM implementations are considered failures. Two-thirds. Most people that, that, that implement it. And a lot of it is they think they're going to implement it and it's just going to make all their problems go away. And it's, and what you just said, it's really, it's, it's the data, like, right. You know, I don't know if you had the Franklin planner back in the day, you know, and the, or the little black book we like to call it. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's to help you sell more things. And so uh, I told Jeff before the podcast that I, I try to avoid talking anything about CRM because he, <laughs> talk about it too much but i let you appreciate the answer well we're, we're enjoying our engagement with with sales gravy um we're looking forward to continuing our relationship with it with you guys and for all, all of our listeners out there brad how, how's the best way if they wanted to reach out to you or somebody at sales gravy sure sure so obviously they could uh, connect with you guys directly or you can connect with me brad at sales gravy s-a-l-e-s-g-r-a-v-y.com and uh, shoot me an email. Glad to glad to have a talk with you and see if uh, if what we do might be a good fit. And um, or just hit the website salesgravy.com. Let them know. And I know you're on LinkedIn also. If they want yep, to find you that way. Yeah, Brad Adams on LinkedIn. I got my phone number at the top of my 
at the top of my LinkedIn and my email address because I'm a salesperson and I don't know why people hide their stuff. They should want to be contacted. Gotcha. The darn thing works. That's right. Well, Brett, thank you for taking time out. We know you're very busy. Uh, we appreciate a lot. And uh, Jeff, this podcast is over. Thank <laughs> you.